Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, the director of Stab 8, it's Arturo Zarita. Ghostface had you there for a little bit, dude. He was <laughs> grasping onto you right there. I think my computer in the other in the, over there is playing the audio, so just talk for a second. I'm going to go mute. That. But that's also Ghostface, dude. Uh, yeah, exactly. I had the opportunity to just come out of Scream, so all this technological interferences that he's going through is probably Ghostface trying to attack the setup that he's got going on. But uh, in terms of a lot of the movies that we come out, I, there was one that I was waiting for, and that was Scream 5. I'm calling it Scream 5. I'm not falling for this <laughs> Candyman, Candyman, Halloween, Halloween. No, no, no. It's Scream 5 in my book, but... Uh, we are at that exactly. point where you thought you there, thought 2021 so was all just the reboots. <laughs> They're now here. It's going to continue up to 2022. Uh, all right, 2022 is getting off to a great start here on our first stream of the new year. What's up, guys? What's up, Tyler? What's up, Connor? What's up, everybody joining us in the live stream? Thanks for hanging with us. A new year of intercut. All right, let's get this started the way we normally get started here with what. We are watching, yeah, you just said it. You're fresh off a screening of the new Scream movie, which they're unhelpfully calling Scream. Scream. Like, not not Scream 5, even though it's the fifth one in the series. They're just, just back to the original, back to Scream. Just back to Scream. Um, sure. I, but no. Uh, I'm a big fan of them. My ratings right now, we've been going through them, trying to make a video for Let Me Explain. We pretty much have, uh, in my opinion, Scream will never be topped. I'm a big fan of Scream 4 as a follow-up. I know that a lot of people have that between two. Uh, I'd say this new one, look, I'm, I'm fresh out of it. I, I don't, I'm not a person who hates Scream 3, but I, I feel it was a little underdeveloped because it was rushed. If anything, I feel this one may be not necessarily overdeveloped, but it definitely... Uh, it's really good at all of the moments of bringing in a new cast, of having the kills that people want to see, having that meta-ness. Uh, but there are aspects of it as well that kind of feel like it's um, it's following that trend of a movie having to have characters tell you why the movie should still be around. That's one of the biggest things we've been seeing with a lot of these reboots, or as the movie likes to call them, requels, uh, where they, they want to justify their existence instead of just existing. Um, so I, I'm a little... I, I, I was ready to come out of this excited, bro. I wanted to show up with, like, a ghost face mask right here and everything. But uh, out of my first watch, I don't think I hated it, but I definitely did not love it. Um, but we got to see it in Dolby, so that was really cool. Yeah. If you are looking forward to this new movie, you can safely go do it. Mask up. Go in your ghost face mask just like Jada did in uh, the second one. Be protected. And definitely catch it in Dolby because I will say the sound design was fantastic. Uh, I really do love a lot of what happens in the first half. But... Without spoiling it, all these screams really depend on the twist. All of these movies come out with dummy scripts and dummy endings. Supposedly they filmed a multitude for this. I think it would be really cool if other people come out with different endings. They pull like a clue because I know the directors who did Ready or Not claimed that they were, you know, really filled with secrecy when it came to it. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how many people go out for it. It's still a horror film. You know, if it's superheroes and it's horror, I think people do go to support it. Um, and I will say one of the best things that this movie does is that, you know, Wes left in you know he passed away i want to 2014 2015 with scream 4 being his final one 
So he didn't get to see what I, what a lot of people call the renaissance that is going on right now with the Peels of the World, with the Ari Asters, with you know, The Witch and Babadook. All these new movies that we have. And I think this movie, uh, one of the best things that it does is that it's honoring that genre. Well, at the same time, of being the peers, I guess, in a sense. I always felt when Wes did it back in the old movies, like he was almost like poking fun of them. He kind of did it in a way like... Uh, when Jay-Z puts a tweet and he's naming all of the best rappers alive, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what Wes was doing in his movies. And this one, it, it's pseudo that, but then also kind of like, but these are peers that we kind of work with at the same time. But uh, overall, it's an okay Scream entry. If you're a big Scream fan, I think you're still going to enjoy it, but I don't know if you're going to love it or it's going to top whatever you have in your first two spots. All these meta movies, man, are, are not jiving with you. You don't like the uh, how Hollywood is getting self-reflexive. They're not, though. This was done in the 90s. Wes did it in New Nightmare, and then he did it in Scream, man. And everyone's coming out, you know, when it comes to, uh, was it Matrix? And saying, this is just like New Nightmare. I was like, yeah, except that happened 27 years ago. Uh, I don't know. I, I think there's a, and it's funny because the writer, the Kevin Williamson, who did the first Scream, came on and, and said it. The only way to be, um, to deconstruct the genre is to stop deconstructing the genre. Like, you're just going to be going down the same path, I feel. Uh, and again, that's what I feel a lot of these movies do. They spend half of the runtime trying to justify why they're being made. And it's mm-hmm. just like, just just be made. Just just be something. Um, the original rules were the best. I miss Randy. Randy knew how to deliver them. Yeah, uh, I, I was playing coy with you earlier. You know, like, I, I think I've told you, I used to be kind of a scaredy cat when it came with to horror movies. Like, I, I didn't really watch really? them more until I was, like, like older and started dating somebody who loves horror movies. Uh, so I actually haven't seen any of the screams. As, and every, from everything I hear, this is like the franchise that would maybe appeal to me the most. So maybe Bro, we got to... this is the franchise. Maybe we got to do you gotta a, change a that. catch-up. Yeah, yeah. Scream 1, one of the best. So I w- also wanted to mention a weird thing that I found out that uh, Tyler Gillett, the director, the co-director of the new Scream is apparently the person they were interviewing on maybe my favorite podcast episode of 2020. I I, I just want to give another shout-out to this Reply All episode, The Case of the Missing Hit, just because it is maybe one of the most delightful hours of podcast you can listen to. And it's newly relevant again because the guy directed Scream, weirdly. Uh, Mm -hmm. So shout-out to that. Uh, So Scream, I guess, was a bit of a disappointment. I know you liked compartment number six. I, I haven't had a chance to watch that yet, so we're going to get to that on a future episode of the podcast. Uh, let's talk about Very a movie good. that I think we did not like. Uh, the 355, the uh, action thriller, CIA, global ops. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, team up female team-up movie with Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o, Penelope Cruz, Diane Kruger. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very impressive cast list and not a movie that matches that level of talent. Uh, I just feel like it's trying so hard to be something that it, that is kind of think? cool and sleek and fun, and it never really has, like anything substantial there it's all kind of like the structure 
of a movie where you're supposed to add in more interesting details and they they left it kind of blank hoping that maybe like these actors would fill it in and it's like you can only ask the actors to do so much uh, i also feel like this is a big case for like how casting is important because you can't just throw talent at a wall and expect them to be believable like i'm sorry penelope cruz knows how to be flirtatious that's a, that's a woman who would not seem awkward in that kind of situation um it just there's so many poorly thought out things my favorite part is when one character says to another this is a safe house and 60 seconds later another character walks in with a gun it, it's just it's a boring dull version of itself i didn't find the action to be uh, worthwhile either so even if in, in like a turn your brain off kind of way wasn't interesting I, I don't think you liked it as uh, either nah I know that uh, this is produced by Jessica Chastain's company I know she had Tammy Faye under that as well Yeah. and uh, the idea came when uh, she was with Simon Kinberg who really is just like a big producer he's kind of just like a writer really big at Fox uh, he doesn't have that job at Fox anymore obviously the last thing he had done over there was with Jessica Chastain when they did the last uh, X-Men movie Whatever, whatever it was called, Dark Phoenix or whatnot. Right. Uh, so that was when they got together and they did this whole uh, movie. Um, and she had pitched them that she practically wanted to do like an Oceans movie, that she wanted to do her own Mission Impossible. And Zach, tell me you didn't literally see them rip off scenes from other movies. She's like, yo, uh, Tom Cruise did that thing on the side of the tower. I'm going to do the exact same <laughs> thing on the side of the tower. Uh, there are sequences in this movie that just make her look so goofy. Grace Randolph probably was going to give it a five out of five. There are moments in this where you have these dramatic elements that make absolutely no sense. And characters who I swear to you, this is one of those where it's like a co-production with China. So they got uh, Bing Bing Fan to be in this. She's mm -hmm. done this for Iron Man 3, I think, and for a couple of other ones. I swear to you, Zach, she ain't in the movie, man. You can see the feathering around this actress. There is a moment where she's talking to, like, her dad. They're color-corrected in completely different ways. The frame rate is different. I went to go check to see, like, is there anything behind the scenes that showcased that? She is in none of the behind-the-scenes shots. I have no reason to believe she was ever on set, that she's ever met any of the guests. The miracle group. of modern filmmaking. Well, they needed more miracles over here. <laughs> yeah, it is not a good action movie, and yet it is one of those that ends with a teaser of saying, uh, well, this is goodbye. Well, I don't think so. So we'll see. Yeah, I guess we should all get excited for the 356. It, it's funny because this movie was originally slated to come out a year ago, and they like delayed Ava? it because of pandemic uh, concerns. And, like, you know, A, it's coming out again as people get concerned about a new wave of the pandemic. But, B, like, it, it comes out in a, in a part of the year where we're, there's so many movies out that it kind of is now getting lost in the shuffle. Whereas last year, it might have stood out as, like, something exciting. And with movie stars and with action that we didn't have a whole lot of in the last uh, year when most of the movies were getting pushed. So, I, I don't know, uh, maybe some movies shouldn't have maybe. waited so long to come out. I guess. Protégé's better. Go see that one. <laughs> uh, all right. There is an action movie, action thriller that came out that I think we both liked a bit more uh, than the 355. I saw it uh, back when it was at the Tribeca Film Festival, and I know you caught up more recently with the IFC Films See For Me movie, a film about uh, a blind former skier who is house-sitting 
when this house begin uh, is being uh, invaded, robbed, and as a good action thriller does, it takes lots of twists and turns. It's surprisingly effective in terms of uh, the action, given that it has a you know a blind star at it at its center, and it like gets away with it in mostly. You know, I don't know if I would always say believable, but at least like fun, enjoyable, like viable ways. Yes. Art, right, what did you think? Because you you saw it more recently than I have. Uh, yeah, we got the screen a link for it, so I have it pretty fresh in my uh, memory. You know, it's just your regular just type of uh, a heist that's going on in this house while she's trying to take care of it. It doesn't do anything over the top. It just has this new flip to it. What happens if the person who's who's babysitting the house can't see she's a last minute addition here uh and she uses this app um i'm forgetting the actress who's on the other side i know she's been in a couple of tv shows and such but uh kind of the dynamic that she has with this person who has to see for her mm-hmm. um i agree with you nothing too over the top happens or you know the moments that <laughs> aren't really believable but it's a decent little action thriller i think if this is uh on a decent rental price or if it's streaming somewhere i definitely think it's worth the watch yeah, it, it's fun. It's effective. You know, I, I thought it was a good time, and it's it's slight too. I think it's only about an hour and a half, so uh, a pretty solid uh, solid movie. I would recommend that one definitely more than the three fifty five. There are some TV shows that I wanted to talk about as well, but I also wanted to mention this app, Serialized. Have you heard of it? They're trying to no. do the whole like letterboxed but for TV thing. I, I don't know. I'm giving it a shot. I'm not so. Sh- I'm not fully sold. No free Good. ads, but it's it's all right. It's it's got most of the features that I want. You know, the only thing is it doesn't let you do anything per episode, but it breaks it down by season. Um, Have I'm, you heard I, of this other one? A note app. I am. <laughs> no, IMDb. Man, IMDb IMDb gets worse and harder to use every couple months, so I I don't know about that. It does Um, a little bit, yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff on TV right now. Station Eleven is a show that I really want to talk about more, but uh, its finale is tomorrow, so I'll I'll hold off maybe until next week. Hopefully you get a chance to catch up with that one. Uh, Yellow Jackets is a show that I think we're both really enjoying but that one has a finale on sunday so maybe we'll talk about all recommendations uh we'll talk about that next week when it wraps up but yeah we we're definitely recommending it regardless of how that finale turns out It, it is a good time uh but let's talk about one that i think we're gonna recommend that is uh only three episodes in i don't know how much you were able to catch you i think you said you caught the first one i i just watched the first three right before we started streaming I'm really enjoying Abbott Elementary. What do you think of it so far? I'm not on the third one. I saw the first two. Uh, Quinta, one of my favorite shows that she was on from just a couple of years ago was season one of Black Lady Sketch Show. And when it came to season two, she decided to bank on herself. And she's like, nah, I want to go make this show on my own. Mm-hmm. Bro, as someone who's who's been a teacher's aide and knows teachers and just knows the whole school system from that perspective this one hits it on the damn money i think we we're, a lot of times we're worried when it comes back to like network it would be network television or basic yeah. cable whatever you want to call it you know uh that with streaming i guess we're, we've been so used to how shows like cobra kai is really a family show that gets to swear and say like these crazy things because of the streaming rules that it's working on but when you go back to like these basic channels uh, the 
one that the Shiva Baby actress was in that we were really excited for because she was in it. We were going to go check it out. And then we're like, yo, this is booty cheese. Yeah. And it was CBS. So it's like obvious hopes for that one. This one delivers. I think it's funny. I think it's cute. I think it's – yeah, it's got those – I don't even want to call them shortcomings, but uh, – you know the the cliches that you know is mm. going to happen with a uh, a series like this. I believe it goes weekly, um, but yeah, it's ABC if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, and, they and this is one really that I wish we had the whole thing. They actually did a really interesting thing where they did a preview of the pilot episode like a month ago, and now it's going weekly. So they gave people a chance to kind of like get a little sample, maybe build a little bit of word of mouth, and now they're trying to like put out the whole 13 episode season week by week. Uh, it's but yeah, really good. it's it's really delightful. You know, it's I've talked many times on this podcast about my desire for more workplace sitcoms, and I think a school is a setting that is like surprisingly underused in TV, uh, especially TV comedy. But I think the show has the right mix of you know actually uh, actually cutting humor with kind of heartwarming stories and, and like yes. a, a affable cast. Like I think it's got the takes of a good hang. It, it, and I hope that this is a show that can last and people catch on with it because it's really, really delightful. I, I like uh, Quinta a lot in the different projects that I've seen her in. I'm not sure if it's Quinta or Quinta because I've heard people pronounce it both ways. But but either way, she's really good. I think that, uh, you know, she's show running the show too. So, you know, she's it's really her vision. And you can tell she has put a lot of care into this, right? Like, it's it's a show that is treated very lovingly and treats its characters pretty lovingly, too. So uh, it, it kind of feels like in the Parks and Rec mold for me. But Do you like the camera thing? You know... I'm done with it, bro. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the only thing that kind of hinders it. The mockumentary style is, is maybe a little bit played out, but I don't think they lean too heavily into it, if you know what I'm saying. Like... If you forget that there's cameras right there on the characters' faces when they're having intimate moments, yes, I think you could enjoy it. Yeah, because, like, honestly, I think you could almost, like, do a re-edit of the show that doesn't use any of the breaking the fourth wall or interview or talking heads, and it would still work, you know? Um, so Maybe. But it's still good. I really, I really like it. Uh, what else are we catching on TV? I was able to catch the second season of Cheer. I know that you haven't had a chance to, cat, uh, to catch it yet. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it just premiered on Netflix today, so I, I don't blame you. I, I, they sent me the screeners. I don't know why they didn't send you the screeners, but uh, I, re- I think we both really enjoyed the first season. We were surprised by how uh, affected we were by it. It's it really uh, effective documentary filmmaking, you know, a mix of these profiles and, and this, like, intimacy with this uh, crazy athletic uh, you know, skill that I, I think people don't necessarily realize the complexity of if you only have a surface level knowledge of it, uh, my, myself included. So with the second season, it was interesting to see how they were going to do, how they were going to uh, continue. You know, the show's uh, had like this huge cultural moment and then it's also had a lot of pushback and controversy since then. Um, for me, I th- felt like while I really liked the second season, um, it ended up being a little bit less about the physicality and and the uh, you know strain of doing this, and more about the inter roster squad drama, which is still interesting, but like m- maybe a little bit less of what I was there for. Uh, it's also 
odd because you become attached to these personalities who then end up leaving very suddenly because of the dynamics of being on a cheer squad at a junior college. Like most of these kids are only there for a year or two or may maybe three. Uh, and then, you know, I, I don't think it's any spoilers to say like COVID happened. So there's a whole delay and stuff like that. Um, I think that the way that it widens its focus in the second season is smart. and makes me want to see a third season of cheer. Cause I, I think some of the new characters and stuff like that are very interesting. Uh, it, it it was really compelling. I, I think they they do a lot of interesting stuff, even if it doesn't necessarily focus on uh, some of the stuff that I preferred. Um, I will also say, you know, the the big like elephant in the room with this show is Jerry, who was the breakout star of the first season and has since been arrested for some pretty heinous crimes. Uh, I think that they handled the Jerry episode pretty effectively. I mean, I'm sure some people will find some issue with it my immediate reaction not being able to you know see what everybody says is that i thought it was very thoughtful i thought it was very considerate and i thought it was a very patient way to deal with that crime respectfully so i'm curious to see what people are going to make of it because this that first season was such a, such a sensation um i wouldn't be surprised to to see some of it uh some some of that same hype around uh certain people coming out of this season so We'll see. And it's smart because I remember this one was on my radar because uh, the release was right before Sundance and then every celebrity being interviewed at Sundance was watching it on their travels to Sundance back in 2020. So they all brought it up whenever they were asked right. during all of their interviews. So it was a really good promo for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, that early reason, early year release is effective for them. Euphoria returned for its second season. Did you catch that first episode? Why do you hate it? <laughs> Why do you think I hate it? I think you hate it, bro. I think you with the old heads out there who think that Euphoria is a little too over the top. I, I don't think it's too over the top. I think it is kind... Like, I think the best teen dramas are accentuated, right? Because when you're a teen, sure. your feelings... You feel your feelings that much more heavily and like you know when you're at a party it's the craziest party you've ever been to even if it mm -hmm. is just kind of like people hanging out in a backyard so like yeah it, it is like a very extra show but i love that about it i don't know why, why you're gonna call me a hater off the bat i really like euphoria yeah. i think euphoria has has hit that um level that I think uh, Sam Levinson has been trying to hit for the longest time since Assassination Nation. I think it's him like firing on all cylinders with a team that knows what they're doing. Uh, I'm a big fan of the music, and I guess that's the one other thing I would defend. Partly. Because he does overdo it a lot. <laughs> it, uh, I would say that a lot of the music is used from the perspective of the whatever character is playing it. Mm -hmm. um, but it does have a good mix in the sense that, uh, depending on who you're following and what character you're focusing on, uh, you have all these hits that obviously were Sam Levinson's playlist back whenever he was in high school. Uh, but applying it now to what would be the newer kids, I think that a lot of people hold it, hold the show against um, what they sh what they hold against the show is how sexual it is, mm -hmm. uh, the overuse of drugs, mm -hmm. and just like how dramatic it is, which I find funny because then you go back to whenever they 
were teenagers and their shows or movies or whatever it was, the same thing, and they tell you, you got to remember the time period. I think it's a lot of people who don't realize what kids do nowadays either, and it mm. takes me back to Good Boys. I think a lot of critics look at it, and, and I'm, I'm specifically speaking old heads here. I don't think you need to like the show, but I'm talking about from a, a specific perspective of thinking it's too over the top but then giving other movies and TV shows a pass. Uh, when Good Boys came out, a lot of people felt that it was too inappropriate for the, the boys to be doing things that they were doing. Um, to be blind to that is to be blind to what how kids speak nowadays. And I think to be blind to what some of the elements of Euphoria, while over the top, I think would be turning the eye to what kids do nowadays. Like, there's pockets of this all throughout America. I think one of the best ways to uh, uh, kind of realize it is cusp a movie that we saw last year uh from sundance <laughs> that's like real life euphoria for some of these girls that are there right uh but personally i think that they're i thought the, the first episode was pretty good mm-hmm. i'm worried that it may be too i don't want to call it self-referential but be aware of its own it, hype it, it's kind of double down on it, it it's I do definitely like Oh, you think we're we do like excessively weird shots? We're gonna double down on that. Oh, you think like uh, we're our characters are too sexual? They're gonna be even more sexual. You think our characters do too many drugs? They're gonna make even worse deci- decisions. And like in that, see, you way, hate it. Look at this list. <laughs> I mean, look. I, I what I would say is that this first episode, which like was I actually kind of I like bottle episodes. I know everybody is like, oh, it was a bottle episode. I like bottle episodes. It was interesting to see Euphoria kind of do that and and bring all the characters together in one space that way. Um, I didn't enjoy a lot of it, but I wouldn't say that means I didn't think it was good. It was tense, you know? It was characters making bad decisions, and I I think what's going to happen is that these are going to be decisions that spiral out towards the rest of the season. Like, I think uh, the, the first episode of a new season is there to set the path of a character for the rest of that year. And I, I, I think I think Euphoria... I, I don't want to necessarily judge certain decisions too harshly because I think it's clearly aware of the show that it's putting on and it's got to lean into them in certain ways and deconstruct them in others. Um, I The one thing I would say is that the decision at the end of the episode, not spoiling it, the decision at the end of the episode didn't make sense to me given that they're at a crowded party. They're going to have to explain their way out of that one to me, but that didn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I mean, or at Between least think two it was characters? good. Yeah, yeah. That made sense. Because one of those characters gets the intro. I just think... The whole premise was around that character. There were, is a different way to take care of that that won't implicate... Oh, there definitely should be a different way yeah. to, to not do what happened there. But I think for the character, I think uh, it was all building up to that considering the flashback. Yeah. And I also, I'm a big fan of that character too. Anyway. And I'm almost happy with what happened, because I hate that other one. <laughs> I think we're going to talk a lot more about Euphoria in the coming weeks as we get more episodes. Yes, sir. Uh, but I think that's about it for what we've been watching. Let us know what you've been watching in the comments down below, or if you're with us in the live stream, uh, chat, chatting along Watch with us. Watch stream one. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in in a little bit. We will get to... Tom Holland, we'll get to the SAG Awards, we'll get to the no. virtual no. some dance. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video podcast on youtube.com slash intercutpod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at Intercut Pod. That's Intercut P-O-D. 
that's short for podcast. We are also Integrate Pod on Patreon, where you can support the show for as little as $1 per month. And also, be sure to check out our Discord in the links below in the description. Uh, it's a fun community. Come chat, hang out with us. Uh, and final request, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. When you do, it makes me happier than Sam Levinson finding another reason to put dicks in Euphoria. So many dicks in that first episode. Uh, doubling down on a lot of things, indeed. Hey, uh, you know what made me happy? We got another new review of the podcast. Another five-star review. Thanks to Hey Silver Fox, who says, We're a great podcast. Um... Found this podcast a couple months ago and binged the entire backlog. Great insight Damn. and commentary from the hosts and their occasional guests. These guys watch everything, and they've introduced me to a lot of movies I didn't know uh, were out there. Love the bracket episodes. Keep it up. Thank you so much. Hey, Silver Fox. We really appreciate those five-star reviews on Apple iTunes. Uh, keep them coming. They make me very, very happy. Yeah, five stars on Spotify, too, uh, Ismail says. I, I don't think you can leave, uh, like, a comment yet on Spotify, but you can give us five stars. And, man, like, Spotify is trying to dominate the podcast world. They, they, they uh, increasing, increasing share. Uh, so we will get to the SAG Awards and a whole lot else in just a little bit. Uh, we are... Let's start out with the yay or nay, where we talk about the latest happenings in the entertainment industry. Starting with what else but the MCU and some latest comments uh, on, from Kevin Feige and Tom Holland on their push to try and get no way Spider-Man No Way Home into the Best Picture race. Art, I know you caught... Uh, this for your consideration ad that's been running on websites and in some of yeah, the yeah, bro, trades. you click that one. It's not just that they got the the bottom banner too, bro. They're going all out. Yeah, they they, they really want this thing to happen. Uh, Tom Holland for campaign even going, for president. Tom Holland even going so far as to yell at the boy Scarsese, how dare he, saying that he doesn't know what it's like to make a superhero movie because he's never made one. Hey, Tom Holland, tell me who Pedro Almodovar is. Um, yeah, what's this, what's this Pedro thing? It, uh, he was in an interview with Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jake Gyllenhaal mentioned him, and he was like, who's Almodovar? I, I don't know. He probably knows. By Damn. I'm sure they kind of I'm sure he's Yo, I got a good one for you. There's one yeah. with him and Zendaya and uh, uh, his boy Ned. And uh, what did he and call he's him? like, who? He called him Scarface guy? Who'd he call that? Who'd he... he didn't remember Al Pacino's name? He called him Scarface guy? No, bro. I have an even like better one for you. He says he can't wait to relax on blockbusters and work Ooh. on like indie indie films. At forty fifty million dollar budgets, <laughs> and Zendaya, bless her damn soul, is why we love her. Grills him for two minutes straight. I'm gonna have to send you this link. Zendaya bro. has a Grills producer like, credit oh, on Malcolm and Marie. She knows she knows a thing or two about budgets. She knows what's up. 
yeah, belittles him practically going like, oh, look at Mr. Big Shot. So uh, <laughs> uh, nowhere near reality anymore that 40 to 50 million budgets for him are now um, independent films. And I think that kind of happens. Bless his soul. I like Tom Holland. Uh, but definitely he's been in that bubble for too long. And I think he needs to reel it back a bit because, uh, yeah, I don't consider Cherry, which still had like a, good, a pretty hefty Church. budget, an independent film either for him. So yeah. I think he needs to reel it back a bit. And I realize know, he's, there's a lot he's of worked on Oscar winning films. He was in uh, The Impossible when he was like, what, 12? I love him in The Impossible. Yeah. I don't think The Impossible went that far. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say yay or nay. Do you like Spider-Man No Way Home's chances of securing a Best Picture nomination? And before you answer that, like, remember, they are going up to the 10 Best Picture slots this year. I mean, it is the most successful movie in in a couple years. No, yeah. no, no, no. no uh, the only happen. way that I like it is because I don't take the uh, Oscar picks that seriously. So because of that, um, I think it would be more hilarious to see people freak out about it landing a spot and then not knowing what to do with this ceremony that they find so precious mm-hmm. and not realizing that the entire thing is based around money. And that it was only a tipping point when none of y'all wanted to pay attention that these campaigns are getting to out of hand with the way that they market things that what did you expect when the biggest one of them all decides we're going to market these movies uh with the biggest campaigns possible no one is going to have more money than a disney film they do it with uh, animation every year we know this mm-hmm. they've got in other marvel films as best picture it's only a matter of time before they get the general consensus of uh, what audiences want to see and their worries about um uh ratings the fact that they're bringing a host back as well is another factor that clearly they're not standing with whatever they have, uh, and they're they're ready to switch it up. So, do I think it deserves it? No, <laughs> but in terms of what makes an Oscar film an Oscar film, I think that they are so desperate to rebrand that they're willing to do anything at this point. And the heart attack that it would give many of these critics, I think, would be very enjoyable to see on Twitter. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. It, <laughs> I mean, like, I've been trying to think of arguments in Spider-Man's favor, just because, like, I'm so instinctively against the idea of it uh, making Best Picture. And and the best that I'm coming up with is, like, is is it any better... Is it any worse than, like, Belfast? It's better than... Uh, this is me. <laughs> it's better than Belfast, bro. I'm not watching the way home before Belfast. Any point. No, no, no. No. But yeah. that's just me. Yeah. That's I just mean, me. I mean... But that's a great point that you're mentioning. At yeah. that point, if Belts can get nominated, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Then why can't a movie that at least people enjoyed? Yeah. I think ultimately it's I don't just, think Belfast qualifies either other than the director. Yeah. I think it's ultimately just that the Oscars are about spotlighting something that it might not otherwise uh, get that spotlight. You know, like, it, like it's not supposed to. I, I think in sometimes it is like because great art I think doesn't that's an always. Excuse. I mean, it is maybe an excuse, and I don't think that, like, just because something makes money means it, it doesn't necessarily uh, mean it can't be great art. But I, I, I think kind of the inverse is also true, too. Just because it made money does not mean it is great art. Um, I agree with you as well. Yeah, and, and I just think that, like, the Oscars are one of the few things that it's not 
it's not a popularity contest. Like we already have the People's Choice Awards. It's not th- this but isn't it that. It is a popularity contest. It is, but it's just different. The way that they vote contest. is that. <laughs> and it, and it, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know what was the whole scandal with the colleges? You don't bribe them. You buy the building, and then yeah. that's how you're able to bribe the college admissions. It's just another roundabout way, I guess. But yeah. nonetheless, whoever's got the biggest marketing campaign is going to get the biggest pull. In terms of hosting, I don't know if you're going to bring one up. I don't think yep. anyone who's in the nominations should be hosting. I think that's corny. I've always found that corny. Yeah. I hate it when, like, Emmy hosts are like, uh, and the nominations are me. <laughs> no, that's weird. So if he plans, he, he can only have one. He either hosts it or, or he tries to push for this campaign. Right, yeah, you have to stop the Spider-Man No Way Home campaign or host the Oscars. You can't have or host. Ways. There's only one or the other. Yeah. Pick. Uh, the, the latest buzz that I'm seeing is Pete Davidson, but I don't know if it's just like in this huge slew of names that keep coming out. They keep throwing out new names and, uh, who knows who, who you can trust. Uh, if Pete Davidson hosts nominate Venom for best picture at that point, bro. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think Pete Davidson's charming. I, I just think he's He's not the vibe that I want from the Oscars, Oscars. and that's okay. That's like, totally okay. Uh, but he's he's more of maybe an MTV Movie Awards kind of guy to me. Um, I I actually am not super against the idea of Tom Holland. Like, you know, I, I know that everybody's like, oh, the James Franco and Hathaway ones were so bad. But, like, I, I kind of think Tom Holland's a different type of entertainer. The only thing... Are we back? I think we're back. Hopefully, I'm just staring at the Pete Davidson as a glitch. I'm just looking at the Pete Davidson thing. I, what would he even open with? <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't even know. Um, it, it, all this material doesn't feel like Oscar suitable, really. But do you have a personal host? I, the, the guy that came to mind for me that I think is the best mix of somebody who's kind of involved in movies, but somebody who has maybe a little bit more mass appeal and somebody who's charming, it would be Seth Rogen. I think every time Seth Rogen comes out and does a presentation at one of these things, he's extremely charming. He's extremely good. I I thought he was great at the Emmys, kind of riffing on the idea that, like, why are they even there? Um, I I don't know if he'd be interested in it, but I would like to see Seth Rogen do it. I mean, he's not spending a lot of time starring in movies right now. Get uh, James Franco and Seth Rogen. That'd be good. Or Adam McKay <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Will Ferrell. Sorry, can you be up? That'd be pretty funny. Uh, who would you choose for a house if you could? Uh, I don't necessarily know. I don't even think it should be one. I think it should be like a, a duel of things. But to yeah. me, it's never necessarily the host as much as it is the presenters that I, I always hope that they do a better job with. But um, I know some people in the chat were saying, I think it was Ismail who said Tom Hanks. Um <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, that'd be a decent one. I, I know some people have brought up, speaking up, to getting the duo, or I guess trio, of only murders in the building. Yes. I, I think that would be good. I mean, I love the early telecasts in the 2000s when they did it. Hell, like, I'm a big fan of the Billy Crystal ones as well. You need someone who knows how to make these quips immediately. Um, I was just thinking, like, oh, but, like, why would they promote only murders in the building? It's owned by Hulu, which is owned by Disney, which also owns... ABC, the home of the Oscars. Let's do it. Let's get the Only Murders trio. I'm so there for that. 
So we'll see. Ricky says Brad Pitt. I feel like that's the last thing that Brad Pitt would want to do. Tom Hanks, like maybe would do it for the Academy because he seems like a really nice guy. Brad Pitt just feels like way too aloof for me. I think he'd be charming, but I think he would never do it. You know? Uh, Let's get to the SAG Awards because the SAG Awards revealed their nominations earlier today. Shout out to Charles in the chat who uh, gave us a super chat uh, asking for some thoughts on the SAG Awards. Uh, the, the big news coming out of the SAG nominees is that many people's uh, assumed frontrunner for Best Actress, Kristen Stewart, was left out of the outstanding performance by a female actor nominees. Jessica Chastain, Olivia Coleman, Lady Gaga, Jennifer Hudson, and Nicole Kidman end up with nominations instead. Art, this is something that Oscar watchers think is a particularly big deal because in the 27-year history of the SAG Awards, none of the... It, Every, t- every time that a person went on to win the Best Actress Oscar, they were also nominated at the SAGs. So a lot of people think this is uh, the death blow to Kristen's hopes for winning an Oscar this year. What do you think about this snub? You're saying statistically not getting nominated means you win, but it doesn't mean you won't get also a nomination at the Oscars, right? So there's yes. still a chance she can get nominated. She still could get nominated. But the chances of her winning are virtually out. People are so saying well. this is basically a race between Damn. Nicole Kidman and Olivia Colman now. When the hell did that happen? <laughs> I think if, if it came down between those two, I'd say Olivia Colman. But even then, I think uh, Jessica Chastain... Uh, was my number two because Spencer would have been my number one performance in terms of female lead. Uh, I know that Lady Gaga somehow has found her way in every single nomination. I don't know how that's happening. <laughs> Besides this right here, I don't know if you have a front runner for acting, but I was really surprised by the male ones. Well, uh, we'll get there in a second. Charles uh, left a comment. Believe it or not, as a Stewart fan, I saw the SAG snub snub coming and I'm pretty okay with it if she's nominated for an Oscar fine if not winning critics awards is enough for me yeah I mean I think uh, you know one thing about the people who were nominated in her place is that they're all pretty veteran uh, awards uh, veterans of the awards process right like Jessica Chastain has done this a lot Olivia Coleman has been like the new Meryl Streep in the last five years Lady Gaga uh, just recently did the whole Star is Born thing where people a lot of people thought she was going to win Jennifer Hudson has been in the in consideration a lot Nicole Kidman is always in consideration for this stuff compared to them Kristen's somewhat of a newcomer in in the award circles, and I wonder if there's just a little bit of, like, it's not your turn yet, considering that, like, with SAG in particular, this is the Screen Actors Guild. This is a a jury of your peers, and maybe your peers just, like, still have some Twilight package? I don't know what it is. It it doesn't feel necessarily just to me, but, uh, yeah, I I guess I'm not necessarily surprised. They're not there to highlight the under... Underdeserved performances? They're not there to push the ones that need it the most? I mean, I don't think they have a history of doing that too much. You know, they, they, uh, 
it's I don't a think lot any of... of these award shows have a history of that. <laughs> That's true. It is too. interesting that most of them, except for Olivia Coleman, are all based off real characters. Tammy Faye, Ferguci, obviously yeah. Aretha Franklin, Lucille Ball. You think any of that and the portrayals that they did of certain characters has anything to do with it? I mean, I think it it just is an easy make for awards voters. People tend to love these, you know, glorified impressions. I, I don't know necessarily why other than it's like you can you can like qualify that acting right right like you can point to like look at she does that like that and that means that she's talented and it's not something that's a little more ephemeral like the idea of creating character from scratch um mm-hmm. but it, it's it's a shame because i think that's not 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 to me what really challenging acting is i mean like i i for me I the, the performance of the year uh, is uh, it, I'm forgetting his name from uh, Drive My Car, and that's something where it, it's entirely from you know uh, he, from what he puts into that performance, and not like some kind of impression or anything like that. But agreed. Out of all of these, I just don't want Nicole Kidman to win. I, I'm really cool with all all of the other she ones. Might. Just Chastain, Coleman. Might. I don't even mind Gaga, even though I don't think that this was better than her Star Is Born performance. But yeah. Nicole Kidman, I don't understand that. I kind of would like to see Chastain win. It's not my favorite performance from her, but I do like her and that performance. Uh, what I think you- about this. There's Chastain beforehand and Chastain after she wins an Oscar. I don't know that reality yet. I mean, may- maybe will she she'll stop be- making three five fives, or would that cause her to go even? I hope, man. I hope. I hope it makes her a little bit less sweaty. Uh, you wanted to talk about the male actor nominees. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, especially coming off of the Globes and seeing how they were able to stack up people in that sense. Uh, I don't see Javier Bardem having to keep one. And mm-hmm. here's the thing. I prefer his performance uh, in the movie, even over Nicole Kidman's. Uh, I thought he had more going on in the way that he was written. They wrote his character better. Um, obviously, Benedict Cumberbatch and Andrew Garfield are my two that are going head-to-head. But I do like seeing Will Smith and Denzel there. Will Smith winning his first big acting for a movie category, uh, category at the Golden Globes was a really big deal. Um, I'm starting to warm up to the idea of Will Smith with an Oscar, even mm-hmm. though I don't think it's his. But the more I think about it, I'm like, damn, this would be a thing where it's like Will Smith has given some incredible performances that he did get recognized for nomination-wise. Yeah. But to get the win in one where... I think his win for King Richard, while it's not the best, uh, it's kind of better than like when you think of what DiCaprio got when it ended up being The Revenant and out of all the other classic roles that he's done. Like King Richard is not a bad one to have an Oscar for. It's just that compared to Tick, Tick, Boom, and Power of the Dog, I don't even, I, I don't see it. Um, I don't see Javier getting that, that fifth slot, though. I'm very curious to see what other actor they would give it to. You got Leo. I don't think he deserves it this year for Don't Look Up. Um are they campaigning your boy Cooper as a lead? Uh, for Nightmare? Cooper Hoffman. Oh, Cooper. <laughs> Cooper's not getting in. Um, I, I don't know what they're camp- campaigning him as, if anything. But, yeah, that, that's not happening. Um, well, yeah, it's going to be a tight race between Benedict, Andrew, and Will. I think the only other person I'm here that I'm a little surprised to maybe see not get in was uh, Peter Dinklage, because a lot of people... Uh, really like his performance in Cyrano. I still haven't seen that one, uh, but oh, that's I, right, yeah. You know, I, I aside from the Javier Bardem performance, I, I do like this batch of nominees. Uh, I, I like that Will Smith performance, and I like Will Smith a lot as an actor. He he's a guy who I kind of feel like he's a guy who should have an Oscar, and I I don't know like when was the right year to award him. I really like that 
uh, Pursuit of Happiness performance. Ali. Uh, Ali is another. Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. Uh, but but it didn't happen, and I was a little worried it kind of would never happen. And you know maybe this is going to be looking back, and it's going to be like Julianne Moore for one for still Alice. But like it, it I, I still kind of feel like he's my favorite heading heading into this so far. Uh, we should talk about supporting actors. Another mind. it's another category a lot of people uh, had a lot of thoughts on. Charles commented that the uh, he, he thought that Jared and Bradley are Oscar locks, considering that they picked up nominations here. Uh, he thinks that's going to piss off, piss off a lot of critics. A lot of critics are surprised that Bradley's really even contention, given that it, it's a pretty small role, but I think it's just such a dynamic, uh, show-stopping performance that it's it's going to no, be awarded. Bradley Cooper. Yeah, it's Bradley Cooper. I don't hate his performance, but it's Bradley Cooper. There's another supporting performance in the same movie that should be getting recognition. It does not. Tweet back at you, too, by the way. Yeah. From uh, Licorice Pizza. Thank you, Harriet Sensum Harris. She, she's phenomenal in Licorice Pizza. I mean, I, I kind of wish they added uh, Oscars category for, like, best small performance or something like best that. So, yeah. Well, the Emmys have that. It's They get it to Don Cheadle this last <laughs> one. So uh, my only thing is I really feel that they are going on the Bradley Cooper hype, and I think that's ridiculous because even in um, – the character of the three witches in Tragedy of Macbeth, that's another actress who really got into that role, and she's got equal amount of screen time. That deserves a nomination. So you're really playing off of not necessarily the performance, but the hype of the actor. Yeah. I think that's kind of lame. Um, but that's out of the, the bench that they have right here. I think the SAG awards more than most awards end up skewing, like, celebrity heavy. Like, like people joke really? about that being the Globes, but, like... Jared Leto, bro? What? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Like, it almost doesn't make sense because it's a mixture of giving it to, like, the celebrities. And then they're like, oh, the people like the Coda performance, right? All right. Troy for Coda. Like, you're seeing an amalgamation of things. Kind of like when the Globes was giving out their awards and you could just see how they were kind of shifting what they were giving it to. I'm still for uh, supporting male. It's Cody all the way, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I see Ben Affleck pop up for, for a second, I think that I'm going to read The Last Duel. <laughs> and then <laughs> I would be I, for it. And then I would be campaigning it. Yeah. Um, In terms of uh, supporting female, I think this was the only one that Belfast got a nomination for, which is really weird because I'll never understand how they do these cast things where they won't give them individually. But as a cast, they make up something better. I I get it kind of, but not necessarily. I I know Don't Look Up also got one for that. So a lot of people thought that uh, Sierra Hines and Jamie Dornan were going to get nominated uh, for supporting actor, and both of them ended up uh, not picking up the supporting actor nominations from the SAG Awards. I wouldn't be surprised if there's maybe a little bit of canceling each other out going on, but I don't think it necessarily <laughs> negates either of their chances at the Oscars performance. Um, although uh, Oscars nomination, not the best anyway. Yeah, I I just don't kind of, I don't get it. Like I, I don't, I don't get it either. But that's our whole thing for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ariana, though, I'm going for Ariana all the way. Glad she won her award there, and I'd be very interested to see what happens, considering that her co-star as well mm-hmm. won for lead, which is insane to think about. She took it home, um, Rachel Ziegler. So I don't, I still don't see her being a part of it. But if she does, end you're talking up, about the Globes. Yeah, for the yeah. Globes, for her to snatch up a nomination at the Oscars for lead. I don't know about a nomination, I, but that 
but the nom, the list of five is already stacked enough as it is, and that's a that's a, a praise in and of itself. Yeah. So for her to have gotten that globe win is crazy. I think Ariana deserves it all the way. I don't know about Rach. Why? Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. that may be a spot for her. I think lead actress is going to be a little bit too crowded for Zegler to get in there. Uh, but I, I think Ariana is definitely a front runner for supporting. So I'd be really happy to see Lock that. It, I think bro. she's really great. Lock I was it. also very happy to see that Ruth Nega got in here for passing. Uh, I think for a while it seemed like passing would be one of those movies that was kind of forgotten from the year. Like it, it got. A get that, kind of get small script. release, and yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just glad that it is getting some recognition here, um, and you know, it, it's not going to be completely overlooked by the end of award season. You have a favorite ensemble of the year? <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about this because it's it's pretty mid, man. Um, like <laughs> they're all booty, bro. Like I'm, I liked Don't Look Up, and I liked King Richard, but like, there's not one movie here where I'm kind of like, wow, that was like a that was a really amazing motion picture with a bunch of actors at the top of their game. Like it's just a bunch of like solid movies, I guess. Um, what, I don't see how West side doesn't appear here. I don't see how a lot of the other movies yeah, West side where they be, honored some of the people. West side is, is maybe my biggest surprise just considering that feels like the catnip for, you know, industry uh, voters, but I, I guess not. Um, I, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, Harriet Sensum Harris. The way to award her is to award the Licorice Pizza cast. I mean, you have a lot of uh, people who show up and are great in a scene or two and might be good for an ensemble here. But they didn't uh, even get it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the the it's one crazy. that really should be here that has been totally absent from award season is Mass. And, you know, maybe they're just not big enough celebrities or yes. something. Uh, I, I, yeah, th- there's so many better contenders than these films. And I don't know if, like... Because ensemble is the closest thing the SAG Awards have to a best picture, if that's basically what the SAG Awards are doing, they're like, oh, well, I liked Belfast. And they're not actually thinking about, like, what is the best ensemble? Uh, but I don't know, man. It, I, I, we'll see. I, like, don't even really have a huge favorite in ensemble. I mean, maybe King Richard so that Anjanae Ellis can get some kind of accolade because she, she was also left out of supporting actress. Which I thought was a little bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I do like that they do their stunt categories here. That's one of the things I've always appreciated from yeah. the SAGs. They do stunts in terms of features and in terms of uh, TV shows. So that's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Anoki here in the live stream comments saying that they thought West Side Story should get ensemble. Um, I don't know. Uh. So what else do we have here in yay or nay? Did we hit them all? I'm out of place on my outline. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Should we head to some Sundance talk? Yeah. All right, so let's uh, move on to our topic of the week. It's virtual Sundance. I got on my uh, Sundance 2020 Sweater. Um, I got the... Or is it 2021? It's 2021. I, I don't know what year I'm in. Now. We got the 2021. I just got these yeah. bad boys that just came in right here. Got the brand new little poster. They have some limited edition one. I wanted to see it over there in the shop, but I don't think they're going to be doing stuff physical. 
So I literally have uh, no option but to order it online. The, the limited edition one's supposed to be like metallic. I got my 2017 one that looks like that, but this is a new one. I think it's. Uh, I think you're supposed to wake up in the morning, do a blood sacrifice, worship the sun, <laughs> on a Sunday during Sundance. I don't know. Pretty trippy design. I really like the one for the limited edition. I thought that one looks pretty dope. But like, we got that. We got a couple of stickers. I don't want stickers to be honest with you. I had them here. I guess they disappeared. Um, but yeah. I don't know if you're ordering any merch. Yeah, that's the thing, man. I was I was planning on going to the store and looking at some stuff, and you, you know I'm interested in that windbreaker, but I, I I'd prefer if it was a hoodie. Um, so I don't know, man. Uh, I I'd, I'd like I'd like some sweatpants. I, I could I'm just in the market for sweatpants in general, and why not get get some Sundance branded ones to to make me a little bit happy every time I, I look at them. Um, I could I could go with another poster for the background and. Uh, I need to replace this faded, do the right thing sooner or later. Bro, I got the mask. They had this other <laughs> one, the the yellow one kind of looked like a thong, so I, I skipped on that one. But I did like this one. I thought this one was pretty decent. It works. Actually, really helped with, with my glasses on and everything as well. So um, since we'll be doing virtual screenings together, I'm going to be six feet apart from Zach with one of these <laughs> bad boys on. Got some of the socks. Decent yeah. colorway that they had this year. I got some of the socks too, but they're it's in my sock drawer, which is like we got a couple from last year as well. Um, stickers, you know. I have a beanie that should be on the way. I don't know when it's going to get here. And I got one of the spiral notebooks. I actually do highly recommend the spiral notebooks. Uh, the pens were okay, but the spiral notebook was really nice this year. Uh, Alina and I tend to always get uh, the notebooks every year. That's probably been the one thing that we've gotten every single time that we've gone we always end up writing up all of our movie notes on there when we're in theaters so uh that one was pretty legit the only problem that i saw as you see that i'm holding this and i'm not gonna put it straight up is that this is the packaging that came for some of their stuff as y'all know we're gonna keep it a bug with you all the time there is always going to be issues when it comes to a festival right and you're only gonna get honesty from us when it comes to covering these festivals as that's just how it is, even if, for whatever reason. We're just going to be honest with you. As many of you who are following the festival, there's a lot of problems that have happened with it. Uh, and having to restart your picks and people not getting refunds for something where they purchased $750 worth of a package. Can't be there in physical person. A lot of stuff that's happening uh, behind the scenes. And to me, it's like there's certain leeway, but then there's also like, come on, y'all are big enough that you should you should have prepared for this ahead of time, bro. The packaging in here is ripped up orders from previous years that includes addresses, order numbers, and their shipping labels. Boy, I order stuff every year and it comes in five different packages. I swear, if some of y'all figure out, <laughs> I've moved. Yeah, if, I was like, if there are any. I was, I was like zero dark 30. I was Jessica Chastain putting these <laughs> things together and sometimes I got eerily close. And on some of these, bro, I'm looking at the whole name, where they live, the warehouse, and a phone number, man. So if your name is John and you ordered socks last year, I, I hope oh, you got the right God. size. Yeah, um, don't love that. <laughs> um, but I don't think that'll be an issue if you're just buying tickets, hopefully. Especially uh, we're, we're going all, all virtual. Not. I think that's uh, the biggest update since the last time that we talked about Sundance is that the festival has fully, uh, fully shifted to being virtual uh, because of Omicron concerns, unfortunately. That's not stopping your boys, though. We're still headed to Utah. 
Can't, we got. We they can't stop us. We're gonna go to Park City one way or another. I, I'm I'm seeing you outside the Egyptian theater. I don't know if anybody else is gonna be there, but you and I will be there. It'll be hauled out, bro. <laughs> Send us back where you came from. Go back to that coast. Uh, I don't know if this is a really stupid idea, but we got a fun place. We got a we got a dope Airbnb, which we uh, will do some streams from, and we'll we'll show you some some. Uh, interesting props from or something um we're, we're planning to do a couple streams during the festival i think right now we're hoping to do it uh the first friday and first monday of the festival which i want to say is the 21st and the 24th uh but you can follow along we're packed with screenings though we packed with screenings yeah well i mean we'll figure Always out what we're first. doing uh, but we will keep you all updated with uh, updates on the Twitter or other social media and uh, maybe in the Discord. So make sure you're following along if you want our live reactions to Sundance stuff. I'm going to be doing a bunch of stuff on Twitter and Letterboxd. I'm going to be trying to convince Art to keep up with his Twitter and Letterboxd. We'll see how well, well that we'll goes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, what do you think about the shift to virtual? Uh, it, you know, it's late in the game. It's... A, Definitely a bit of a disappointment, but it might mean just more movies. I mean, you know me, when it comes to that stuff, if we have the ability to catch a lot of these uh, with the access of not having to wait in lines or whatever else, that's more movies that you fit in a day. You know, last year we hit our record, which you'll never be able to hit in a theater. That's 11 movies in one day with minimum sleep. Not going to try to do that this year, nah, but nah. Uh, luckily with the way that the whole our whole group has been able to get our screenings intact and in order, we have a nice little schedule covering all of the ones that I know that we want to hit. Uh, we're getting really lucky right now and getting a lot of early links that uh, with that also comes us realizing what networks are picking up what when we're checking our Netflix and we're like, oh, so I, I guess Netflix is picking up that documentary. Um, yeah, but we're um, getting a head start right now. We've seen a couple of shorts. We've seen a couple of features that we have lined up uh, before the festival starts, which is going to make it an easier process when we're there. But uh, I'm all for it. I'm, I, I really appreciate virtual film festivals. I think they've really changed the game since we've started going and everything has been physical. There's always this demand when you ask for a screening link that, no, you should be there in the theater. And boys act things change now that it's like, oh, well, can you settle for a screening link? But there were so many this year that we wanted to see in a packed crowd. I know we wanted to see Emily the Criminal, which stars Aubrey Plaza just scheming her way with credit cards. That was one that we wanted the theatrical experience for. Mm -hmm. A lot of these, we have like a specific theater in mind. I wanted to be there at the Eccles for the premiere of uh, La Guerra Civil, which is a documentary by... Um, Eva Longoria. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. about boxing. There's a bunch of these movies that we wanted to see uh, at the theaters that are so iconic in Park City. But, you know, we make do with the little little home theater that we're going to have there at the Airbnb. Uh, but I just love the fact that people everywhere are going to get uh, the opportunity to have more chances to stack up on them. We made a whole video uh, on what we think the best options are. But it was a good thing we doubled down that day by saying that 750 pass was no bueno because it ended up being complete dookie. Do not get that mm. $750 for 10 movies because people have been making the joke. Everyone pays, what, 15 bucks for Netflix a month? This ain't a month. This is a week, and it ain't even a week of movies. It's only 10 movies that you get with 750 Do not do that. Instead, get yourself a day pass, however many they allow you to get. Yeah. Uh, I actually am going through our little distribution list. Ismail's asking uh, where you can find it, but I mean, maybe I'll put this up on the ATZ website uh, between now and the festival. But th do an update of it, yeah. Document that we've been using to keep track of which films got picked up. What got picked up today? Because I'm missing something. Was it Speak No Evil? 
Uh, Speak No Evil, I believe, got picked up. Uh, I know Hatching got picked up by IFC, and they're going to have a pretty early release. You had told me about Fresh that's getting a release in terms of Hulu. I know Lucy and Desi uh, is getting released by Prime March 4th, because Zach was telling me about the deadlines. Uh, The Oscar voting uh, opens up on March 17th, so it's a nice little boost to being the Ricardos right before they want people to vote for Nicole Kidman. They got like five Lucy and Desi docs, biopics. I think they got pictures you want the show probably. Prime's all over that, but uh, that's one that I'm still excited for. But it's interesting to see how many have been picked up and are getting March releases. Like, I, I'm just starting to wonder how many of these will actually be uh, latter half movies for the end of the year. A lot of these will be coming out in the spring. The Kanye doc, as we were guessing, was go- is going to be released in four uh, is it four parts, three parts, however they're uh, rolling parts. it out week by week yeah. on Netflix? With the first being in theaters, so that'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, even if you were not there, one of the ways that I always uh, push for Sundance is to navigate it in terms of figuring out what movies are going to have a very early release date and just waiting on those. Mm-hmm. Try to scope out the movies that may not get picked up at all right. uh, or are going to be way later on because you're going to see those. You know, on Many of the ones we have here, we prioritize. If something's about to come out, we, we can just wait to cover it then. Yeah, you know? Anoki here um, asks for our thoughts on Worst Person in the World, and like that's a movie that Art and I really love. Like we're, We uh, both think that's one of the best movies that we saw last year. and it's Top picks out of Chicago. Uh, but... It is going to be released in February. I want to say like February fourth or something like that. I gotta gotta update this. But so if you want to see it in theaters, just wait for that moment. Yeah. But if you want to see it virtually, and uh, you know you can have more people around you, then you have that option right now too. And yeah. that's a good one. However you see it, <laughs> just see that one for sure. Uh, so we actually got a couple questions from uh, people on Twitter. Uh, Ryan wanted to know. Actually, this was from Discord. Wanted to know what our top five most anticipated are. I know I'm asking you to do this off of the top, so I'll, I'll let you like ruminate a little bit. And uh, I'll, my number I'll one is Genius. <laughs> my number two is La Guerra Civil. My number three is When You Finish Saving the World. My number four is Something in the Dirt. And my number five is a, a pretty big tie between Duel Eight Nine Two and Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul. What else you need? <laughs> All right. My top five, I'll go uh, five to one. I got uh, Emily the Criminal, because Aubrey Plaza, why not? Like, I just kind of want to watch her in anything right now. Uh, number four, I got Cha-Cha Real Smooth to, to see the boy. Is it Connor Rafe? Connor Rafe? I want to I see the boy grow. Yes, sir. You know? Uh, number three, After Gang. It, it's Kogonanda. I mean, it might not be the world premiere, but it's, it's Kogonanda and uh, I think Colin Farrell. Like, of course I got to see that one. Uh, number two. Duel. The boy Riley Stearns is back, and I really like his films. And it feels like this might be a step up for him. He, I've like I follow him on Twitter. I've been just seeing how excited he's been making it. Can't wait to see that one. And uh, number one, it was on your list, but I'm saying it again. When you finish saving the world, I just I like Jesse Eisenberg. I don't know. I also have those estaciones. Obviously, Emily the Criminal. Well, uh, Nico um, asked, "What's your sleeper?" For Sundance, a potentially under-the-radar movie that you have high hopes for. Would you say it's Dos Estaciones? Maybe. I think so. I'm trying to see what else would be here. I'm hoping it's kind of like a sleeper hit. Uh, Fire of Love, maybe in terms of docs? 
That one seems really fun. Um, I have Meet Me in the Bathroom in terms of docs, just because, like as we mentioned on the previous broadcast, that it's in the midnight category is really intriguing for a documentary, especially given the subject matter of, of like the rock scene. Um, I, it's a book that I've heard a lot of people recommend uh, that I've been meaning. I actually own the audiobook. I owned the audiobook before I heard and even knew they were making the documentary, so now I'll actually listen to the audiobook. Uh, maybe on my way to Sundance. Um, but my other recommendation, or at least sleeper, is Marte Um, that Brazilian movie that's premiering day one. Uh, it is. Okay. A, it, it sounds like a really interesting premise uh, of uh, how this family adapts when a fascistic leader is elected. I just, I don't know. I have, I have a good feeling about that one. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, was there any other Sundance movies that you were thinking of in terms of uh, Under the Radar? Um, maybe in terms of like what would be a big hit would it be something in Midnight or what's a comedy. Uh, I know we just got the link for Brian and Charles. So that was one of the comedies because that's a sci-fi comedy. So I'm very curious to see how that's going to play. Uh, Lenore Will Never Die was another world comedy about the the lady who's like writing a story and ends up becoming she like enters the story so i'm hoping that one of the comedies or uh genre type flicks ends up becoming pretty big piggy was another one uh yeah i'm curious to see how that's going to plan out <laughs> yeah uh you mentioned hatching before too i'm curious about that one uh pink sweets is uh catching my, my slip up there it's cooper rafe thank you i uh what do I, we say i think i think i said connor rafe it's, copper it's, I think Connor Roy, I think. Uh, Ismail had a couple picks. Miha and Utama. I had Miha on mine, yeah. Uh, Jay has a good feeling about Brian and Charles as maybe a potential sleeper hit. We'll, we'll definitely check that one out and let you know. We uh, used one of our links for that one and then ended up getting a screener for it. <laughs> uh, everything is weird. Said After Yang is going to make me ball and I'm not ready. I am ready. Make me cry movie. I've been, I've been emotional recently. I feel, like, I feel like every movie and TV show I watch recently is like at least getting the one tier. And I'm just a little bit like, are you going to judge me if I cry a lot in front of you guys during some? I'm just going to live stream it. I'll be like, hey, we're here with another one of these. <laughs> Uh, I because I cried a lot at the end of Britney runs a marathon and and like that I had the benefit of being in a dark movie theater and we you weren't even at that screening with me. <laughs> Was I not? I thought we saw that one together. Nah, nah. Probably saw it with the boys. Yeah, I don't. And know. they were like, she didn't even really run the marathon. I was like, she ran the marathon, bro. What are you talking about? Uh, Jay also brings up the cow who sang a song into the future. Uh, because Alec Baldwin's a producer on it. Yeah, I just that's the one that has the most intriguing title, maybe, of the festival. Uh, Pink Sweets brings up Girl Picture and Emergency. I, I'm definitely curious about both of those. Girl Picture I mentioned before. Like, I, I love a coming-of-age movie. And uh, Emergency's got a really cool premise. I'm, like, I'm hoping that it lives up mm -hmm. to its premise. Um, we'll see. Yeah, a lot, a lot of films to get really excited for with this Sundance. And uh, we will be there doing our best to break them down as the festival goes along. Um, I don't know if you had any final thoughts on uh, Sundance as we, we head in um, get closer. I know some people were talking about awards. I think that's usually one of the best ways to be able to get the best bang for your buck is if you're really looking to see what's going to get the most hype or a movie that has been uh, you know, awarded is to look at those final days. And I think you get the whole day, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know how many picks they end up... Uh, 
giving you in terms of that. But you'll be able to have more than enough screenings. I feel like last year they were able to do it pretty well. And now that they've reorganized the festival, there should be more than enough slots. Uh, you just have to make sure that you get that awards package. Um, again, one of the biggest things. And I saw uh, some people in the comments were also saying uh, any of the movies they were excited for, if they got picked up by a, distribu a distributor or see a date that they know is not going to be good, great way to know that that's not a movie that may be up your alley but if you see something that hasn't been picked up up yet and has kind of made you curious i'd say definitely go for that because uh, you may end up being able to see one of your favorite movies that's not going to come out for everybody until like december yeah. so uh, i think also yeah. one of the advantages of uh the festival being virtual is, is it's very easy to just like pick up a last second ticket and uh you mm -hmm. know if you if you pay attention to uh w what the initial buzz is or, follow a couple people who are at the festival you can and end up like very you know economically picking up some some movies because like yeah maybe the huge ones with some celebrities in it uh will be sold out but like if it's not in the u.s drama competition or premieres like if it's in world world dramatic or if it's a documentary there's a good chance that i feel like there there'll be tickets available later and and uh it, you know there there'll be good movies that you might not even yet know the name of that uh get really great reviews and just be ready for like to shift mm -hmm. your plans for those all right so yeah uh let us know if you have any more questions because we will be doing another live stream next week either tuesday or wednesday again if you uh follow Somewhere along on on social media we'll let you know and that's also when we're going to we'll be hitting that road gathering together on our way to Sundance and also yeah. doing the Patreon live stream for this uh, for this month. Once we're together, that would be able to do something, oh, something a little different. Now that Zach and I will be able to be in front of each other, <laughs> strangle each other, whatever else type of games we could play. We could actually play Jenga. Yeah. Some some movie trivia game. We'll yeah, no, play we like, like Scream. A, we should think of a movie-themed one to play on the stream. With a whole Ghostface release. We'll, we'll just do a, a whole bit. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, be able, be sure to keep up with us for that. Uh, we are going to be posting our best movies of the year and best TV shows of the year videos very soon. Movies of the year should go up on Friday, so make sure you're tuned in for that. Uh, we're going to hit just one last segment here, the new to see, where we talk about uh, what is the latest in theaters and on streaming. And we started off here with... January 7th, past weekend, where we got the 355, which we've already talked about. It's not uh, not the best time. Uh, there's also American Siege, which is the latest in Bruce Willis's many uh, like quick cash-ins that I don't know if he's actually showing up on set for. Um, there's a whole mm -hmm. bunch of other films. A Hero, which hits theater, which I, I'm really interested in. The Oscar It'll be on Prime at the end of the month, so... yeah. Uh, Good thing to know. Yeah, we haven't caught that one yet. See for me, which we talked about at the top, uh, pretty solid, uh, low key action thriller. Uh, the Tender Bar is finally on Prime Video. Did you catch the Tender Bar yet? I keep trying to. I don't. Know, something possesses me to just doze off. I've been having some great nights. Sleep, I know that. Bro. There's some but I think I'm like five that. minutes in. There's just some movies like that. But mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I'll comment on it once I finally sit down and give it the watch. When I was in high school and going through a particularly rough like insomniac period, I, I like discovered that I could 
watch Gili on HBO on demand and get like 15 minutes in and just pass out. So I've seen the first like 15 minutes. It's that athlete, bro. Yeah, it, he's just there's something. It's that athlete. <laughs> he he's like no melatonin in an actor. Ben. Uh, what else is out? Uh, Algren hits VOD. I've heard some good things about that one. Uh, a few other movies are coming out in the meantime. Uh, some more stuff for topics. Some more stuff for Netflix. Not a whole lot that I've heard of early in the early in this year. Did is is Hotel Transylvania coming out, or did they delay that again? Because they keep delaying it. No, and I'm that's not supposed sure to be coming anymore. out on the 14th on Amazon Prime. At least right. that's what I've heard, and they started giving out links for it. So there is that. Amazon paid hundred million dollars for this animation. movie. I and with no Sandler, I have absolutely no idea. But if you're gonna see an animation, go see Bell. It is a yeah. uh, anime that's out right now in theaters. They are even showing some IMAX showings of it. I don't know if it's actually framed for it, uh, but I got to catch this one during the Chicago Critics Fest. I think it's a pretty solid movie, uh, kind of dealing with virtual reality and how a girl gets famous through there and then has to risk either giving up her identity to be able to help somebody. Uh, who's also within this virtual reality world. I think it's very interesting the way that it uh, captures that dynamic that I think will soon be in the metaverse, but done through anime. Uh, No Straight Lines, Luzu, The Pink Cloud, a few films that we've caught at film festivals are going to be available this weekend. Yeah, would you say The Pink Cloud is your recommendation of all those three? Uh, whether it's in VOD, I'd say definitely uh, my top three in theaters would be Bell, The Pink Cloud, and then also Who We Are, A Chronicle of America, one of the ones that we caught. I want to say, was that South By? Uh, I don't know. We caught it at a festival, and I thought yeah. it was like, you'd think South that, uh, yeah, that a lesson about Amer- the, the, the rough history that America has can't be uh, – it's just going to repeat things that you already know, but it becomes so poignant mm-hmm. in like the little intricacies of – of the, it's not really talking about the bad things that happened as much as it is. These are the bad things that happened, and this was the trickle down of what happened to certain communities and people and stuff. And, and it makes it feel very real. You see the repercussions of it. Uh, obviously, a heavy doc, but I mean, masterfully done one. When we saw it at South by, I think we compared it to the Thirteenth, and like, I don't, I don't know if it's maybe like quite as comprehensive as the Thirteenth is, but like to mm-hmm. be in that that company one. speaks to. Yeah. Uh, the kind of documentary that it is. Um, so, so those would be enveloping cloud we are and eh, screams in theaters. You know, I, yeah. I'm not saying I hated it. It didn't live up to the hype that I had for it, but it's a. You want a good killer outing? I guess there is that. Have be you safe. seen? Have you seen the whole kerfuffle over Scream being in theaters, but them canceling the red carpets? No. Yeah. I'm still surprised I saw it tonight. Right. <laughs> They're they're sending press to press screenings and not sending press links, but uh, they canceled the red carpet because they're concerned over Omicron. I mean, you know, I don't know. It it is what it is at this point. Studios studios are are very hypocritical with that stuff, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Then uh, going into next week, the How I Met Your Mother spinoff, How I Met Your Father with Hilary Duff premieres on hulu i have like a morbid curiosity about that one i don't i don't really have much of an opinion other than like like why or hopefully it's good me either i'm I'm hopeful you know sometimes that stuff uh, surprises me but i just i I don't know i i have i have a bad feeling about it um i also wanted to streaming content look ahead to january 19th though because taming the garden 
Pitt's movie. I've been waiting a while to, to see when this movie would come out because you told me it was really great. I've heard really great things about it. It played Sundance last year, and I just... Very uh, meditative. Yeah, I, I never ended up seeing it, so I'm going to have to check it out on movie. I don't even curb my dog anymore on the on the trees because I was like, nah, that's someone's that's someone's shade right there, bro. You'll, you'll see when you see it, man. I, I like that one. It's a nice little peaceful dock. Yeah. Uh, uh, some of the other stuff from Netflix, I'm not sure if you have it there, but uh, The House was, I know, something that someone had yeah. brought up. It's very interesting animation going on in that one, uh, along with Archive 81, which I know is based off of a podcast, and they're making that into a series of uh, eight episodes. Um about an archivist who's going through a bunch of videotapes for an investigation. Yeah. So Netflix finally coming out with some pretty decent stuff along with Cheer, which you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Netflix is definitely going to be keeping people interested. Um, yeah, so interesting stuff to check out. Uh, I'm curious about those, all that stuff. Uh, Jay mentioned that they're so hyped for the house. Curious about that. I actually hadn't seen uh, anything about that one, so... Glad that you know what it is, so one of us does. Yeah, bro, let me break it down right here because it's pretty interesting. It's a stop-motion anthology dark comedy. Oh, okay. Y- you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I'm down for that. Dope. Out of all the crappy animations that we get from Netflix, I like when they're when they're pushing some good stuff. And you can't say they don't. They've pushed 2D. They've pushed several different things. So that should be pretty cool. All right. And obviously Succession. And the season finales to Yellow Jackets. Yeah, the season finale for Yellow Jackets, obviously. The season finale for Station Eleven. I don't know if that's what you meant. You said Succession. Oh, I did say Succession. Sorry, that's what I meant. Station Eleven and yeah. Peacemaker comes out. Oh, right. I know some right. people have gone the whole season already. So, <laughs> are you excited for that one? I know. I know Cena is not your favorite actor. I, I don't. Uh, I'm indifferent. I don't. <laughs> I'm indifferent. I'll see it. I'm indifferent, but I'm not like that hyped up for it. Uh, we have a little time to take any questions if, if people want to throw them out before we wrap things up here. Uh, Yasin Coley asked us for thoughts on Disney sending Pixar movies straight to streaming. I thought this would end in 2021. Mm. And Did you? I, honestly, maybe maybe I'm just naive, but I... I, I Come on now. You know, they, they saw a little bit of panic within the industry over whether or not people are going to go to movie theaters and, and, and pulled that button and pushed that button real quick. They were very ready oh, I bet that's to what take they Turning did Red. With the rival the- company that they bought and is now under their umbrella. I, I just don't understand why you, you would, like, they've had Pixar for so long. Why would they do, do them like Pixar. this right now? Because you're trying to push your other stuff. That's why. Every big company does this. Apple has done this with certain things. They'll mer- they'll buy something just to kill it. Yeah. Uber has bought things just to kill it. It's the way of the land. And look at their movies. Their movies come out to theaters. Absolutely no problem. I think it sucks for Pixar. I think it's a terrible thing. And I feel really bad for the animators who work this hard to be able to have a proper release. And they don't. Yeah. They just get it dumped out as a, a, a streaming. Like a, a literally Disney Plus original movie. That's That's lame. Yeah, at least give them the opportunity to showcase it in some places, right? And it's it's also like if you control the pipeline so much, like it it'd be very easy to just give it like a a short theatrical release, like they mm-hmm. they, they you know give it the uh, what was it called uh, the first movie they did this with Onward Treatment, where it just gets a couple weeks in theaters and then like all right, it's Disney Plus now. Like it, I, I don't I'm know. totally fine with that. Yeah, 
Look at Sing. Sing's still number two at the box office, and they got that up right now because Universal cracked that code with Trolls. $24.99 to rent it? Yeah. People are going to have their kids clicking it so many times. Well, how much Trolls make? 80 mil? They know what they're doing, dude. Yeah. Sam asks, do you expect Warner Brother movies to be released at the same time on HBO again? Uh, that the 2021 is over, which means that the previously announced same uh, that was awesome, same day bro. release on HBO Max and in theaters window is is done. So now Warner Brothers great. movies are returning to theaters. Yeah, so so no more same day Dune, no more same day King Richard, no more same day Space Jam and Godzilla uh-huh. versus Kong. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I as far as like the kind of sweeping nature of it, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think. Um, it was a unique circumstance that Warner Brothers took uh, advantage of, and it was also a move done to kind of bring attention to HBO Max, and that's served its purpose. Like, people now know, oh, there's big movies that come out on HBO Max, and now they have had time to develop stuff. They no longer need to kind of, like, trick people into making movies for HBO Max. Steven Soderbergh's making an interesting-looking Zoe Kravitz movie straight for HBO Max. He didn't need to be, uh, you know, bait-and-switched like some of the other filmmakers were. You know, I I, I think, mm-hmm. like, the real question is, like, what's going to happen with Dune 2, right? Like, that's probably the biggest potential, like, should this be in theaters or should this be on HBO Max thing in Warner Brothers' uh, not-so-distant future. And I would be completely surprised if they had that one on HBO Max same day as they did in theaters. I think it was a... I don't think they're doing any more of those. I think I think it was a, a unique thing to build the brand and to gain subscribers and I think there's just limited returns now, right? Like, they got the Dune fans already. They don't need to get them again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Plus, uh, look at the Batman. The Batman's not going to get a uh, simultaneous release. Right. They're going to go back to having those theatrical movies and... I wouldn't doubt that they don't have some that they give us as an exclusive or something like that. But Zach's right. They have eight. They have their HBO brand of movies and their HBO Max brand of movies. They have content that is specifically going to be made just for the streaming service. Not to mention when a movie comes out three months later, where is it being hosted online? If not HBO. Uh, Ismail asked, what are your most recent physical media purchases? You have them within... Uh Arms length, oh. arms reach. Oh, I have them all right here, I'm, I'm my friend. Well, obviously, we have the one and only Dune, which I'll make sure I got that all boosted up right there. Uh, beautiful little steel book. Make sure I pre-ordered this one because they ended up selling out near me. Ugh. And they got some nice little packaging inside there. They're traveling all around Arrakis. But it's a beautiful little steel book with the um, kind of engravings done inside the disc. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, is that the steelbook? Really glad I got this one. Yeah, I got the Dune Steelbook. I went all Steelbook crazy this past week. Uh, on top of that, I had to, bro. I had to, man. There was one <laughs> left. Man. I went up to pick up the ones I had pre-ordered, and I needed Godzilla it. Godzilla versus I looked Kong. at this. You open it up, bro, and there's Godzilla right there. Who's covered? Absolutely nobody. You can see who you need to see, sir. Uh, no, this one's fantastic. Really good special features on both of these right here. Then these two came out, uh, 4Ks and Steelbooks. Ooh. There's never been one for The Wolf of Wall Street, man. Ooh. Look at that money in the back. They, oh, my goodness. Uh, had to snatch up the 4K for this. They really messed up the digital, though. I will say that. So I got stuck with it being on Alina's account. 
and not like on a main account because like these these are movies anywhere so you know you put them up they show up on all of your services they made this one real annoying but nah you cannot love that right there beautiful 4k of nice, wolf of wall street nice, nice but zach this one alone is one of those ones that you buy not just because you like the movie there's one, one of those that you buy just because of the packaging right alone. it's a piece of art it's the new 4k steelbook of american ooh, psycho ooh, ooh. right and it's got him doing i love that as nasty bro so if y'all know like on steelbooks they kind of do like that little wrap that comes on the top that little wrap is all right but like it falls off you don't need it dvds always had those slip covers and i love the slip covers on dvds on blu-rays Y'all need to focus on this type of slipcover thing for Steelbooks. This is genius. There's a Requiem for a Dream one that's also fantastic, dude. The fact... Oh, look at that right in the back, dude. What? Look at that in the back. And it doesn't end there. This is 10 bucks. This was worth 10 bucks. Not even if you watched the movie. Oh, my God. If you've seen the movie, bro. If you've seen the movie, the discs are different color whites. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know? You know. If you know. Oh, uh, that's awesome. But, but that's nasty right there. This right here, oh, had to pick this one up. So that would be my four right there. Wolf of Wall Street, American Psycho, Godzilla, and the one and only Dune. Nice, nice. Respect it. Respect it. Um, I just picked up a couple Criterions just Ooh. with the most recent sale, ones that I've been meaning to for a little while. Uh, I, I joined you in ownership of the Bong Joon-ho masterpiece and the the awesome braille lettering there on the Parasite cover. Um, I picked up the boy Bing Lu's documentary, Minding the Gap. Very nice. I, I you know, one of my favorite documentaries in recent memory. I wanted to wanted to have that one. Uh wanna check out the special features on that too. And then uh, I picked up a classic, the Alexander Payne film Election. Oh, one, one of my favorite beautiful. comedies of all time. Really cool cover there with the pick flick cupcake. Great movies. Movies that I've, I've returned to. Movies that I know I'll watch again. That's my criteria for picking beautiful. up physical media. It's like, I know I'm going to watch these once again. I, I don't, I don't, Dude, like, I've, that... I've done my collecting for collecting's sake. I'm, I'm buying for a purpose now. <laughs> I agree. Uh, on top of that, the fact that Criterion's moving to 4Ks, dude. They had this one for the piano that's coming out. I'm like, damn. They had some really good special features on that. And I, I could just imagine, like, how crisp they're going to make them look. So, no, really really good pickups all around. Uh, Howard asked, was 2021 a good film year for y'all? It's interesting also yes. coming off of 2020, which was such a weird film year given all the delays and i kind of think like the lack of big blockbuster films um not that blockbuster films are ones that i typically respond to but just it felt there definitely felt like a void in 2020 and 2021 was pretty packed I, i thought there was a lot of really good stuff um i i yeah i think i discovered a lot of good stuff and i i enjoyed going to the going to theaters so it you know I don't know if it's, like, a year that I will look back on as, like, whoa, like, that was, like, a 2007 or whatever. But, like, solid, you know? They think there's, like, a case for four to five movies that are, like, like genuine masterpieces from last year. 
Yeah, I thought there was good movies in that sense. Personally, there were some favorites that are going to connect with me for a long time. And we had some really good theatrical moments, not just 2021 being the year that we had the same day and date release, which I just, it's crazy to go have seen, uh, I didn't get to see Godzilla in theaters, which sucked for me because uh, they weren't playing it in IMAX. But when I went to go see In the Heights and Dolby and then I came home and I'm like, I'm playing the movie again when we're seeing The Conjuring and we couldn't remember something. Are we going to go see it? Nah, like we saw it in theaters and then we came back yeah. home and I was able to pull up a scene to read. That's pretty great. It's insane. Like, yeah, we've been doing this for so long. There's never been a year like that. Mm-hmm. But then just in general. Uh, with with a lot of the movie experiences that we had, uh, returning back to IMAX for Dune, like like a true proper IMAX there, uh, being able to see uh, uh, the 35 millimeter of uh, Soho, uh, a lot of stuff at the music box again. Just returning to movie theaters in general was a fantastic experience. Yeah, no, that's yeah. the thing. Is like um, DC year. <laughs> aside from our 2020 trip to Sundance, I don't think I went to a movie theater in 2020 and and just like to go back to movie theaters with some regularity this year mm-hmm. was like a huge huge relief and just like a huge uh joy you know like i it, it gave me a reappreciation for how much i love that experience which is like it feels trite to say but just like it, it is such wow. a it's such a centering and like calming thing to do is go to the movies and you, for people like us that means so much and I just like man I I didn't do it for a year and a half. I remember I was sitting in a quiet place and I got I was sitting there I damn near almost cried for a quiet place yeah. too. I was like yo we back for a quiet people place. were saying our movie. Are movie theaters bad? Are, like are they gone? Is everything gonna be streaming? I was like nah, step foot in one again. The magic lives on. Literally, all it comes down to is distribution. Uh, we got a question from Jay asking if do you think the Batman will get delayed? I kind of don't. I mean, this is you know kind of more of like a medical question, I well, guess. But the the things that I've been reading is that the Omicron wave is expected to die down by the time that the Batman's release is going to be out. So. It should be fine, and even, you know, I think we're at a different stage in terms of how companies react to the pandemic. I mean, look at how much money Spider-Man made. Uh, I I don't think there's that much of a concern with certain types of movies. Certain types of movies might even be, like, you know, like, super mega COVID-proof. I, I I think like Spider Man would have made that money. So the COVID proof ones, yeah. Yeah, that would Spider Man would have made that money if the Black Plague was out there again. You know, like that some some people are are going to the movies for certain movies no matter what. Uh, Ismail asked, "What movies would you love to see get the Criterion for K release?" Uh, I mean, we just did our Paul Thomas Anderson episode with. Taylor J. Williams, shout out to him. I thought that was one of my favorite episodes in a while, and maybe it's just because I love Paul Thomas Anderson. You know, like I was, I was editing it, editing it, looking back at just all the things I wanted to add into that. But um, it, mo- mostly, it was just like talk more about all these movies that I love, and uh, you know, I, I would definitely love to see like The Master. Uh, one, I think that's maybe the movie of his that I think is the most compellingly shot. Um, but also the movie that comes to mind just because of its visuals is uh, Tarsum Sings The Fall. I don't know if we've ever talked about The Fall. Do you like The Fall? I don't think I've ever seen The Fall. Is this like the really pretty looking one? Yeah. yeah. I remember this. This is always, yeah. It, I, it's I not literally my favorite match it. cut in cinema history. It's so good. Woo! It's so good. Maybe, maybe we'll watch that on this trip. 
Uh, Jay also asked if you've seen the trailer for X with uh, yes. Kid Cudi from I think it's a very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Ty, Ty West. West, latest from Ty Fantastic. West. And I'll tell you, Jenna Ortega, bro, yeah. I thought she was great in the new movie as well uh, for Scream. And the fact that she's here, she's really becoming the Scream Queen along with Babysitter uh, that she had on Netflix. So she's killing it out there, dude. Uh, Ismail also mentioned that the World Cup is this year in 2022. Maybe we should go on a journey watching some soccer-related movies. I am down. I am down. I just need to convince Art. So maybe, maybe if other people are um, can comment or, or like, you know, send in a super chat or something, like maybe we'll convince Art. Uh, but even we'll do, but, we'll do my baseball one first. <laughs> well, maybe we'll go back and forth. We'll do we'll trade soccer movies and baseball movies. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, I think that's just about uh, all that we're all we can get into. We've been. Uh, doing this stream for a little bit but uh like i mentioned we'll be back again next week either on tuesday or wednesday for another stream and that's when we'll do our next hangout uh so thanks to those of you who stuck with us uh follow more from me at zshevich across social media art where can people find more from you uh you can find me over at lme explain trying to update the twitter uh, trying, to, trying to update the letterbox, but more than that, usually giving my raw thoughts right here every week on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast, and then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com. Intercut Pod, where you can watch our bright smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Podcast every Monday, and please leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. Like our Facebook, like our Instagram, like our Twitter pages. Join the Intercut Discord in the description links down below. Support our Patreon. All of them are at Intercut Pod, and you'll get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, we met in the virtual Sundance waiting room. Put that one on your list. Yeah.